Thank you for listening to a Praise Chapel Kingman podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at praisechapelkingman.com. What a powerful time that is. is are you, can you feel the presence of God? Let me tell you something. I, I, want, I want to make a prediction. This is a prediction. This is a prophetic word, if you want to call it that. This is also to inform you. There are going to be days when I don't preach. You say, what does that mean? That means God's going to come in the house. and ain't going to be no need for me to preach. Hallelujah. He's going to rise up. Because let me tell you something. You know, you can get it from me, but it goes through my filter. It's a lot better when it just comes from Jesus straight. How many know what I'm talking about? We need to be contending for that church. We, let, me, let me say something to you. Let me, let, me, let me just say this. When you enter in and contend, when you, when you step out of your comfort zone just for a moment and say, God, I just want to worship you. I, I don't care anymore about what people think or, or what's happening. I, I just want to touch you. I want to be involved with you. I want to know you. I want to feel you. When you do that, I'm telling you what, God will come on the scene in your life. And he will radically revolutionize you. Amen. And let me, let me tell you, see, sometimes this is resisted, and the reason it's resisted is because it's different. But that's okay. Different is good in this case. And we need this. Can you say amen? Praise God. Before we get to our sermon today, I want to take a moment, and I just want to tell you how much I appreciate this congregation. As most of you know, this last week was a difficult week for us, the Poole family. Uh, my dad uh, graduated. He went to heaven. Amen. Uh, I'm good with that. I'm thankful for that. I'm glad he's in heaven, and I'm certain that there was a reunion there that uh, um, beat all reunions. Amen. And I'm looking forward to the day I go. Hallelujah. Look, at it is the reward. It is. He finished his race. Amen. And let me tell you, he finished well. He finished well. And his life mattered. He made a difference. And, and he still speaks to us today, and he will continue to speak. Um, and so I'm so thankful. And, you know, this congregation poured out love and support and strength upon my family, upon Donna. Many of you helped us. You, you, you gave us food. You, you helped with the reception. You helped with the memorial. Many of you just spoke into our lives, and most of you prayed and just said, you know what, God help them. And I can tell you we felt that. We love you for that. Thank you for your support in this time. Um, I think we got through it as well as we did um, because of you and because of your efforts. And, and I cannot tell you how much that means to me and to my family. So, so thank you for that, and, and, and be blessed. We pray that that comes back to you that that seed would grow and bear a harvest in your life. If you have your Bibles, turn with me over to Acts, the book of Acts chapter 2. We'll get to that in just a minute. I'm going to begin a new series, and um, the title of this series is called Doing Life Together. Uh, we've been talking about that. We, I wanted to start this last week, but due to circumstances, we, we had to start it this week. But this is something that God has, uh, let me put it this way, this is not a new thing. This is not anything new. The reality is, is that this, this mindset, this subject, this 
principle is something that God has been speaking into me for <clears throat> several years. Um, but uh, I feel like that as we crossed the line from 2008 into 2009, that God, or I'm sorry, 2018 to 2019, I'm only 10 years off, hey, uh, I need to go look at my bookkeeping, QuickBooks, I, I think I've been putting the wrong date in, actually, I'm, see, I'm 10, I'm only 43, not sure that's good or bad, because that means I look 53, and I'm only, but anyway, um, as we cross the line from 18 to 19, I really do feel like God uh, is up to something, and I feel like that what he's doing is he's putting together uh, in this church, in this body, he's doing something brand new, something fresh, something real and alive. And he is putting together something that is going to uh, be the foundation for the revival uh, that is now here. Um, I, 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 I loathe the idea of saying that it's out there, that one day, Revival will come. Let me tell you, a revival's here. It's here, and now the, the key in this is that we access that revival, that we step into that, and we become a part of what he's doing. And so this idea of doing life together has been on my heart. I, I, I really feel like it's something that we need to contend for. It's, it's something that we need to be intentional about. It's not something that we just sit back and, you know, I think one of the things that Christians do a lot of times is we just kind of wait for things to happen. I think it's something that we need to, we need to step up to the plate and swing, and we need to swing like we're going to put the ball outside right of the park. Right Amen. We, we need to do that, and so we need to be intentional. And so this idea of doing life together, this idea of community, of coming together as a body, being a family, uh, walking in relationship, this is something that's been very heavy on my heart for several years. And so I feel like we're in that place. I, I, for the lack of a better term, I'm going to say this is the perfect storm. It's the, the right timing. We're at the right place in the, in, in the right time with the right idea, with the right people to bring about what God wants to happen. So I, with those thoughts in mind, I want you to think about some things with me. I want you to, first of all, I want you to think about Paul the Apostle. I want you to think about this man because he was born in Tarsus. He was educated in Jerusalem. He lived in Damascus, and he spent large amounts of time in the Arabian desert. And then one day he moved to Antioch, and that was only the beginning. Ultimately, he would venture out, and he would go on three very extensive missionary campaigns, traveling from city to city, literally traveling the known world. Yet wherever he went, he established a group of people who came together in supportive and encouraging communities that became the mark of the New Testament. When you do a study in the Word of God, you'll find out that community coming together, being a body of believers, being a group of people that are ministering to one another, is the mark of the New Testament. It is what the church is all about. And what we need to do, church, is we need to move out 
of the shadow of anonymity, and we need to move on into identity, and we need to resist being just another face in the crowd, but you and I need to step up and begin to connect with one another. Can you say amen to that? Now, I want you to think about that, because I want you to think about what the church is. See, when we think about church, oftentimes people think about the building, or people think about the program, or people think about a belief system, or people think about the structure. Well, I can tell you that the church is none of those things. Because if today this building were taken away from us through circumstances and we were meeting in the park, we would still be the church. Can you say amen? We are the church. The church is the body of believers. It's you and I. It's people. The problem is, is what happens is we oftentimes allow the building, the structure, the belief system, the, 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 the doctrine, we allow all of those things to become what we serve rather than those things serving us. See, when, when the church serves the building and the structure and the program and all of that, it becomes religion. But when the building, the program, and the structure serve us, we become the church. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so what happens is we get stuck in these modes of thinking, and we get stuck in this process, and, and, and all of a sudden the church kind of takes on a religious tone, and we lose this sense of connection and, and coming together. We lose this sense of, of, of body life and body growth, and we become something that God never planned us to be. <clears throat> so I want to say to you today, we've got to resist that. We have got to make a decision that says, you know what, we're going to be the body of Christ in every way. Can you say amen? It is what we are about. See, there are no lone rangers in Christianity. We need each other. Such as it is, as crazy and as goofy as you may be, I need you. And as goofy and as crazy as you think I am, you need me. I have something you need, and you have something I need. And we need to come together, and we need to intentionally be connected. We've got to come out of the shadow and come into community because it is the greatest need of the Western church. Let me tell you something, what happens to the Western church. See, we live in a society and a culture that values and prioritizes individualism. Listen to what I'm saying. We tend to prioritize individualism. It's all about the individual. It's the me generation. It's what I can get. It's what I can keep. It's what I can have. It's about me. And if it's not about me, listen, then it's about you. I'm going to show you what I mean. I have people all the time that have been in this church for a long time. They'll come to me and they'll say, well, you know, your church. No, no, it's our church. It's not my church. If there's anybody that identifies ownership, we would say it's his church. But this is where I go to church. This is where you go to church, so therefore it is our church. And so the tendency in society is to be very individualistic. This idea of that, you know what, I, I, it's about me. And, it's, you know, and that's why we've developed these comfort zones. 
Because really what I want is I want you to minister to me. That's why we get one-stop shopping in churches. Because what I really want is a smorgasbord of things that I can choose from that makes me feel good. And then I want to go home, and then I'm going to come back next week, and I'm going to take my hour, and I'm going to go through the smorgasbord and pick what I want. And, you know, last week I went to this class, and this week I'm going to try something different, you know. And, and by the way, when are you guys going to get anything new? Uh, <laughs> Maybe you ought to jump up on that smorgasbord. Come on now. It's about the church coming together. So with that thought in mind, I want you to listen to Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. It says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and the breaking of bread and prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Did you catch that? Did you catch the connection of community to salvation and signs and wonders? The supernatural moving of the Holy Spirit moves in community. Amen. You know, I often think about <clears throat> things in life that demonstrate this idea. I, you know, my wife and I, we tend to be science geeks and stuff like that. And so generally when we go on trips, we tend to do sciencey things. And the last uh, road trip we went on, uh, we visited some volcanoes. But then we visited um, the Redwood Forest. And if you've never been to the Redwood Forest, it is worth the trip because when you drive down, it's called the Avenue of the Giants, and it's like just outstanding. It's, it's, and you, you drive in, and you see these massive trees. Some of them are 30 feet in diameter, 450 feet tall, and, and you look at them, and you, there are signs on them that said this, this tree is 2,500 years old, and you realize that, wait a second, that tree was 500 years old when Jesus was born. And you go, that's impressive. You know, and you're, you're just kind of awed by this. But one of the things that you would think is that with trees that big, you would think that they would have a root system <clears throat> that would go very, very deep into the ground. That they would have a tap root that went really deep, but they really don't. In fact, redwoods have a very shallow root system, but they have a very wide root system. <clears throat> and what their roots do is they intertwine with roots from other redwood trees and they become a community and so when the wind and the rain and all of that begin to work against the tree those things that would destroy the tree the community because they're linked together are stronger than any one tree can be by itself because they're linked and let me tell you something it is never additive it is always a multiplication it was always bigger than that. It's always much, much more. Well, that principle is demonstrated 
within the context of what God's talking about the church should be. Remember, our text is the beginning of the New Testament church. And they've come together, and they're learning how to have community. And he shows us this strategy for being strong in the earth. Now, I was talking with Brother Jeff Adams before the first service, and he made a statement that <clears throat> caught my attention. I, I, I'm certain he, un, he knew what he was saying, but it caught me. And as he was talking about, we were talking about this thing on community, and we were talking about this thing on togetherness and, and, and doing life together. And he made this statement. He goes, it's, it's the power of the creative. I don't know if he used those words. But see, creative power is released through community. It's through us together. We were never meant to be isolated and alone. We were meant to be connected. See, it's like this, if I could put it to you this way. It's like chemistry. It's like chemistry. See, when you, you can have all kinds of chemicals and in themselves not even be harmful. But the moment you put them together, they can become intensely powerful. If you've ever used any kind of those epoxies that, you know, that has the two different things, and it says, when you mix this, you better get it on what you want quickly. Right. I'm always afraid. It's like, oh, my God, you know. <laughs> Andy, a few years back, I was helping Andy fix something at his house, and we had to do this little stoop that we were creating. And so my son Andrew went and said, I'll go get the concrete. So he goes and gets bags of concrete. Well, in my family, we don't read labels. Okay. We just, so that looks like a bag of, con it could have been flour for all I know, but he got it and we came and so we're, it's, it's July and we, we don't get up early to work because we're not early people. So we usually work at like noon. And so we're going to do this at July, in July at noon. And so we bust open the concrete, we put our water in and we're stirring in the wheelbarrow. <laughs> Andy's stirring in the wheelbarrow. And I know he's, man, he's laboring. <laughs> he's he's it's like, wow, this is tough. That concrete's hardening in the wheelbarrow. So I'm like, what is going on? So I pick up the bag and look at it. It's quick drying cement. It dries like in five minutes. It's like, it's, it's to be used for like a patch, you know. And it's supposed to be used in the winter, you know, when it's really cold. But no, we use it in the dead of summer. And so we poured this lump of concrete out and we beat it down. And it was more like, it was more like sculpting than finishing concrete. But I was amazed at the chemistry. Because the chemistry came together. But listen, the chemistry was not what was just in the bag. The chemistry was also the temperature of the day. The time of day. The two goofy guys working it. It was a perfect storm. We came together as a chemistry. But see, when you and I come together, there's a chemistry. <coughs> Has anybody ever... How many know what Crisco shortening is? Raise your hand if you know what that is. How many know what vanilla extract is? Has anybody ever swigged on a bottle of vanilla extract? It's a drag. You know, vanilla, I love the smell of vanilla. And I love chocolate chip cookies. 
But you know, when you, if you were to, can you imagine me coming over to your house and say, hey, you got any cookies? No, well, we don't. Oh, okay, do you have some flour and vanilla and maybe some Crisco? And, and I reached into your Crisco can and just started eating a handful. It's like we need to let the chemistry come together first. We probably ought to get this in the same mixing bowl. And we, we probably ought to blend this a little bit. See, some of you are shortening. Some of you are flour. Some of you are old and salty. Some of you are Nestle chocolate chip. You're just, Kathy, you are the Nestle chocolate chips of my life. Sweet. Amy, too. That's a lot of chocolate, though. But can you imagine? Uh, here, let's, uh, you know what? Mixing doesn't really matter. I'll mix it in my belly. Shake a little bit. Mix it up. It's insanity, isn't it? See, when you put it in the context like that, it's like, no wonder the church is having a hard time. See, we come together and, and we're like, we don't want to connect. It's like, no, don't let the chemistry happen. But that's what we need. God places in the body as it pleases him. And he puts you here because you're a part of a chemistry. You are a part of a, a formula. You bring something to the table. You're, you know, you're shortening. You're, you know, white and greasy. And you bring something to the table. That's not a slight against you. It's who you are. But when you add yourself to the flour and the salt and the sugar and all the other stuff that goes in it, we become something awesome. By myself, by myself, I'm just an old salty tart. But when I connect with you, I become something people will overeat with. See, the Bible says that we are all, when we got saved, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, slave or bond, free. And we've all been made to drink of one drink, of the Spirit. But the problem is, is we have this individuality thing going on. And we resist connecting. See, the moment we got saved, we were bound together in the community of faith. By belonging to Christ, we belong to each other. By fellowshipping with Christ means we fellowship with each other. You can't fellowship with the head without fellowshipping with the body. I don't need nobody but Jesus. Have you ever seen a head running around by itself? A little scary. I'm just saying, it's a little, it's, it's, there's something wrong with just a head. A disembodied head has a problem. And a body with no head is hindered. This is our God-given support system. The Bible tells us that we fitly join together, 
each joint supplying what the other needs. In Ecclesiastes 4.9, it says this, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up again. If two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a three-fold cord is not easily or quickly broken. Two are better than one. This idea travels throughout the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says this, The human body has many parts, but many parts make up only one body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. But we have all been baptized in Christ's body by one spirit, and we have all received the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one. Now listen, here's the problem. Here's what I see becomes the problem in the church is in the church, we resist people that are different than us. So what happens is we look at somebody else that has a different calling than us. Or they look at life a little differently than us. Or they approach life a little differently. Or they are passionate about things that are different than us. We either minimize them or we reject them altogether. I was talking with somebody the other day and I made the statement. I said, I believe you're more of an evangelist. And they were upset with me. I said, why? Because I'm called to be a pastor. I said, well, all you talk about is winning souls, going out on the street and preaching and winning souls, winning souls. That sounds like an, an evangelist to me. And then... He's mad at me because I counsel people and manage the church. See, the thing is, is God created diversity. He created us all different so that when we come together, we make this beautiful uh, picture, this tapestry. We make something beautiful. See, some people love to run around and worship, lift their hands, and they should be free to do so. Some like to sit quietly, and they should be free to do so. Some want to evangelize. Some want to counsel. Some want to just serve. Others want to preach. Some, they, and the, but the problem is, is what happens is we despise it. We, we, we get mad because, see, we've been taught that we're individuals, and if you're not like me, then you're not as good as me. See, when we prioritize the individual over community, we lose both the community and the individual. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But when we prioritize community over individuality, we strengthen the community. And then in the process, we find our identity and purpose in that community. Say, why is that? Because community embraces diversity. Individuality despises diversity. Because I only want to be around people that are like me because that's comfortable. It's comfortable. I, you say, how, how do you know this? Because, look it, I'll just be honest with you. It's easy for me to just hang out with people that I know. It's easy for me to just be around the people that I've befriended. 
But see, when new people come in, I'm, you know, I tend to be a little bit shy. I'm not always confident. Sometimes I wonder what they're thinking about me. When I, you know, I, and, you know, I have these little hang-ups and this kind of thing. So what it does is it wants to pull me back into this individual place. But see, if we're going to do this, if we're going to be the church that God wants us to be, then we're going to have to step out of that comfort zone. Yes. And we're going to have to embrace diversity. We're going to have to embrace people that we don't necessarily see eye to eye with. Right. We're going to have to embrace people that do it a little bit different than we do. I'm amazed at the church, the, the general universal church of Jesus Christ, how often we fight over nothing. Zero. We'll fight over the carpet on the floor. We'll fight over lighting. Who cares? Turn them all on, turn them all off. Don't care. You know what I'm saying? After a while it gets nauseating. Have we forgotten that this is about Jesus and that we are his body. The need for others is so rooted in us. It's hardwired in our lives. That's why Genesis 2.18 says it's not good that man be alone. I know it's talking about the husband and wife, but it has application amongst the body. We're not good alone. When people have been alone for a long time and isolated, they get wacky. It's it's true. Did you ever watch Tom Hanks in his movie? He befriended his soccer ball. Volleyball, that's right. Wilson! A little wacky. What was the name of that movie? Castaway. You know what I always thought would have been funny, a great ending for that movie? Because you remember that he kept that box and he finally delivered the one box he kept. If in that box was a satellite phone and matches and a compass. And... Well, the reason I think about it is because sometimes we feel like we're isolated on an island all by ourselves, and we have this wonderful gift called God, but yet we don't use it. Well, me and me alone. I'm so far off the notes. I can't even read them anymore. Here's the point. Here's the point. This is what I feel like God's doing. I feel like what he's doing is he's putting together the church. He's putting together the body of Christ. And you know what? We won't all see eye to eye, and we won't always be happy. And there will be stuff that we do that won't sit well with you. But I I can tell you, I love my wife more than any human being on the planet. He said, well, what about your children? They're next. Let Let me give you a little marriage advice. If I don't love their mother more than them, I can't love the, them the way they're supposed to be loved. So that's just, that was a freebie. I love my wife, but there are things that she does that irritates me. I know it's hard. You look at over there, sweep thing. She, I'm going to tell on her a little bit. And then she can tell on me when she preaches, because she will. 
she has a hard time recording things in the checkbook. She, I, I think she believes that there's just as long as she's got the credit card, there's money. We've worked on it, right, babe? We have. I need counseling. No, I don't. <clears throat> but the, problem, the thing is, just because those areas that irritate me and, and upset me from time to time don't mean I'm going to bail. We get our feathers ruffled. The temperature just ain't right. I'm going to another church. Or a chair is out of place. Or I mean, sometimes it's the silliest thing. We have got to come together where we begin to connect to where what we are is bigger than who we are. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That you know what, I play a vital role. I see, I, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about the importance of people. And I was thinking about it in context of a football team because we watch a lot of football at my house. And, you know, you could be the greatest football quarterback in the world. But if you don't have the line, it don't matter how talented you are. We were talking between the services today. We were talking about uh, Tom Brady. Some believe that he's the greatest football player in all of time. Andy was telling me that after every time he's won a Super Bowl, he goes out and he buys all the guys on his line a Rolex watch. I don't know if that's true or not, but it's a good thought. And he ought to. You say, why? Because they make him the man he is. They allow him to actually demonstrate the gift in him. And you know, the guys that are receivers, if they can't catch the football... It don't no matter how well the pass is thrown. See, they win as a team, and they lose as a team. The problem is, is we get, that, we get it into the church context, and we lose that. See, we are not just a team. We are a family. We are doing life together. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We're connecting together. And what we have to do is we have to resist the temptation to remain isolated. We have to step out of that comfort zone. We have to be intentional and we have to connect with people. This year, we are going to do our very best to set the platform for connection. We are going to develop ministry that is devoted for the purpose of connection. But I'm going to tell you something. I can't do it by myself. I have to have every one of you. So I don't know what to do. Neither do I. But we're going to do something. Maybe we're just going to have a big party and see what happens. But we've got to connect. We're going to learn to do life together. Amen. And I believe when we learn to do life together, we're going to see like the first century church saw. Yes. We're going to see salvation daily as yes. should be saved. Yes. Yes. We're going to see the supernatural flow in a way that's unprecedented. Amen. It means that we're going to have to be intentional about our involvement we have got to resist the idea that says somebody else will be there. That's so somebody else will do it. Yep. We've got to step up. You've got to start believing you matter. Amen. 
Because you do matter. You have something I need and I have something you need. And I want you connected to me. And I'm going to stop despising you because you're different. And I pray you stop despising me because I'm different. Thank you. I like 80s rock and roll. Some of you like 40s. Some of you like 70s. Some of you like 2000s. Who cares? I like you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I believe when we come together like that, when we begin to fit together, there'll be a flow of the Spirit. Because let let me say this. Let me bring this into closing. It's not just doing this so we could do life together. All of this is in the context of being in line with the head. Jesus is taking us somewhere. He has a plan. He has a purpose. He has some things that he wants done. And he wants us to get there. And he needs us on board. And in order to get on board, we've got to start connecting. Are you hearing me? One of the things that, and some of these are, let me just say this, because I'm, I'm so far off the notes anyway, so I'm just going to say it. That's right. And so you know what? Somewhere along the line, it's simple things. <clears throat> we have coffee and donuts before every service and in between services. Come in and have a cup of coffee and a donut. Well, I can't afford it. Come see me. You can have it for free. Because I care more about you than making money on the donuts. I don't care about that. All I want to do is defray the cost. But you know what? If it costs me, it's okay. I don't care. Connect with people. When, when ministry is offered, come. Be connected. Be a part. It will change your life. When you find something that you can do and contribute to, do it. Be involved. Allow God to flow through you. Can you say amen to that? Why don't you bow your heads with me for a moment? Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time. And we thank you, God, that you are helping us. We thank you that you are leading us in this way. And we pray, Lord, that every person that's in this room, that our hearts would be open to making connection with one another. We pray, God, that in the midst of this season, that you would give us the wisdom and the understanding to develop what is necessary, the platforms to make these connections vital and real. And Father, we pray that you continue to open our eyes to this revelation and the depth of it. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, before you get moving around, I I, I have something else I want to say to you real quick. I'm only going to take a minute or two. In light of this, in light of this thought, we're going to do something that we haven't done in a very long time. I am going to call the church to a fast. And so what we're going to do is I'm calling the church to a three-day fast 
from Monday to Wednesday. We'll start it Monday morning, we'll break it Wednesday night. And the reason that we're doing this is because two fundamental reasons. Number one, we wanna fast and believe God, fast and pray for this idea of this season. Because I really believe that God really wants to propel this into our lives. So we wanna do this together. But there's also another reason because we aren't just a, a group of people that come together in this church. We, we have extended family members, people that we support in missions. And there's a particular missionary right now that's going through some very, very deep struggle. His name is Alex Chabarro. You've heard about him many times. He's in Malawi, Africa. And he is, uh, his ministry, his family, his health, his home have been attacked on levels that I don't know if we can fully appreciate. But his church has in the past multiple times fasted and prayed for us. So in this fast, this season of fasting, I'm asking that you would fast and pray for him. Believe God for supernatural protection and deliverance, but also at the same time, believing God to, to cause this, this not to be the theme of the year, but to be the, a principle of which we do life at Praise Chapel. Now, I understand that everybody in this room is at different levels in their spiritual growth. Some of you have fasted before. Some of you have never fasted. So what we're asking you to do is we're asking you to get a hold of God, to ask God what he would have you to do. If that's to fast Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, no food, just water, or if that is to uh, uh, fast TV or fast you know, games or internet or whatever. You know, if you're here and you have a medical condition, it's not conducive to not going without eating, then do something that, that it's a sacrifice that you can do, that you could set aside so that you could get alone with God. Now, look at, let me say this to you. If you, if you do this, make sure the time that, that you would be doing whatever you're giving up is used to getting a hold of God. Because if you, if, you, if you fast without prayer, it's really just a hungry. It's not, a, it's not really a fast. And so spend that time. So what we're wanting you to do, whatever it is that you feel led of the Lord to do, we're going to leave that to you and between you and God. And you do that. And, and just join with us. So even if it's just fasting one meal, and I recommend if you've never fasted before, start small. I remember the first time I started a fast, I, I couldn't get through it. <clears throat> I started a three-day fast, and by the end of the first day, I was so discouraged and mad and I went to the pastor that was here Carl Friedrich at the time and I said I don't I'm, I'm such you know I'm, I'm a failure he goes you're not a failure he goes you're just not there yet he goes you he says you never get one big victory you always get lots of little ones and he said you know what if you'll start and just do one one meal and then the next time you do do two meals the next time do three meals you know he says start small get a victory that's what we're looking for. It's not, it's not today about quantity. It's not about all of that. It's about you making a connection with God in the purpose of connecting with one another. You see what I'm saying? And so you do that, and we're going to believe God that in this, he's going to do some great things. Now, on Tuesday, this next week, Tuesday at 6.30, at 6.30 on Tuesday, we're going to have a prayer meeting in the sanctuary. We're going to set that time aside for about an hour from 6.30 to 7.30, maybe a little bit longer, but you can come and go as you please. We're going to open these doors. We're going to be here. We're going to have some music. It's not going to be a formalized thing. 
You'll see when you get here, we're just going to spend time in prayer together. And we want you to come. If you can come to that on Tuesday at 6.30, that's what we're going to do. We're just going to be intentional. Can you say amen? And we're believing God for some big things this year. We're believe, I believe we're, I believe, I, I, I sense this in my spirit. We are in such a vital place right now. Big things are about to happen. And I don't even know what that means except to say I have this anticipation, this, this sense of, of anticipation that it's, you know, it's, 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 it's the, the servant of the prophet says, I see the cloud the size of a man's hand. And moments later, there was all-out deluge. He said, you better gird yourself up and get running because I'm coming. That's what I feel like, and I feel like he's going to do something powerful. But I can tell you this. If we just sit and do nothing about it, it will delay him. His intention is for us to be involved. Can you say amen? So now you can stand here for you. Our ministry team is going to come. And if you have a need of any kind, come on up. Let them pray for you. You guys have a great, wonderful afternoon. God bless you. We'll see you next Thank week. you for listening to the Praise Chapel Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.